people really want to know about assisting. They really do, because I can see the hunger on this topic every single time I write about it. And that's what I said, you know what? And after I got gutted, I said, you know what? This is a good time to write a book. I'm looking at everybody's blogs and they have the same kind of like top 10, don't do, don't do, don't do. And I'm like, but there's so much more to right. it. And if we tell people, they'll know. Now, no makeup artist has the right to say, I didn't know because there's a book. You know, we all make mistakes, but if you write it down so people can see, then nobody would be making these mistakes. So it was important. I felt like it was really, really important to have this type of book. Cause you're a queen. Yeah, you're a queen. Hey, Glow Friends. You're listening to the Hey, Glow Friend podcast with myself, Angelique Velez. This is a podcast with makeup entrepreneurs who want to be seen and supported on their entrepreneurial journey as makeup artists. With 20 years in the makeup industry, becoming the founder and CEO of Breakups to Makeup, I have learned that vulnerable and honest conversations about this industry is much needed. Let us keep you company with whatever you are enjoying doing today while you listen to this episode, because you don't have to glow alone. Welcome, welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. So as you all know that are on here, our special, our surprise special guest of the month is the Deshaun Hatcher, <laughs> and who I absolutely love and adore. And I'm going to try, Deshaun, to remember where you and I first met. And I don't know, I think it was at MUD. I think so, too. I think it's MUD. I do. Okay. I'm going to say it's that then. We met, we met at a makeup school. Um, in my former position. And honestly, I feel like instantly I clicked with you in a way. And I knew like you were already such a trailblazer in the industry because we're talking. I don't want to age myself, but that had to be like 15 years, maybe. Ago. I think it was like one of the first speaking things that I had done at a school. Well, yeah, school was mud. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I was doing, we I would bring in guests to come in on a weekly basis. And I had invited Deshaun to come. And at the time, that was before you had your book. Yeah. That was before you had like anything. anything. Yeah. I didn't have yeah. I mean, I was just a makeup artist. Yeah. I'm just a makeup artist. But yeah, it's just a makeup artist. Yeah. And I think I actually brought you in to talk about like complexion, like knowing different skin tones. I think like that was the whole premise of you coming in. Mm -hmm. And now fast forward, y'all, if you don't know who Deshaun is and you're a makeup artist, I need you to do some research because it's super important that you know her, you know her book, you know how she's an advocate for makeup artists, which is a new thing I've just like come up with terminology wise, Deshaun. I put it in my profile. I'm like makeup artist advocate because I feel like that's what we are at this point. Thank you. But you don't only talk about that stuff. Like you also talk about set etiquette, how you need to do pricing mindset. Like you go through all of the things that I feel like, in my opinion, I wish we would have known when we first started doing makeup as well. Yes. And you're very open with all of it. So if you don't mind, just give us a little. And guys, if you need to reel me in too, reel me in because Deshaun's a friend of mine. So we're gonna get like I could just go up on tangents. But I would love just give us a little brief intro, Deshaun, about yourself, how you started to do makeup and all that good stuff, real brief, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Okay. So I started, I came out of corporate America. I was um in finance, really banking finance, hedge funds, hated it, hated it, and then moved over to student film, independent films, that kind of thing. And then was going broke and yes, smacked my head on the pavement and then moved over to fashion. As I say, I moved over to fashion and then my career really went bloop. It went that way, (laughs) but I kept smacking my head on the pavement. (laughs) And I have, oh God, I always, you know, Angie, I need my resume. I know, and I don't even have it in front of me either. I'm so sorry. I'm not. No, that's okay. No, I, I, I should know my own resume. Correct, right? No, I'm the same um, way. I'm like, I'm like, wait, what have I done? I don't even remember. I know (laughs) there's like so many little, you know, every day is like a new day. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, ugh. You know, it's not like corporate where you have this lovely resume and it's just like two pages. And, yeah. you know, this is like 100 editorials, 50, 60 celebrities, da, 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 da. You know, like you just you can't retain this all. in your No, head. 
I'm and glad so, I'm not alone, Deshaun, because literally when I have to talk about myself, when I'm like getting interviewed, I'm like, can you pull up my resume? Because I, I can't remember. I'm like, please, because I don't recall. Can you remember any of like your highlight stuff? Like maybe things that are like, all right. People like, think for highlights is not what a highlight. Well, that's not true. It was a highlight at the moment, but then I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> I feel you know, you. like working with Beyonce, working with Tom Cruise, things like that. People are like very excited about the celebrities of them all. It's not my thing. And I, I keep saying that, right? But yet I got like 60 underneath my belt. But I'm like, it's just not, it's not like I wear the banner celebrity makeup artist. It's just not my thing. Right. I'm right there with you. Yeah. You know, I actually prefer fashion. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I actually like working with real people. So I do lots of corporate work now, which makes me very happy because it feels like I'm going back to work. When, you know, my corporate days, you know, and I get to dress up cute, well, cute for corporate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, the highlights and the highlights would be the highest highlight for me, I feel, was getting that Guinness World's record for being the fashion director. Not that, what did I just, what the hell did I just say? Beauty director. <laughs> All good. Beauty director for the uh, Cotton Runway Show. It's a 24-hour runway show, literally 24 hours, mm -hmm. like no joke. And I was in charge of the whole beauty section and it was a conveyor belt a runway. And yes, I was up for 24 hours yeah. and actually day of show. I think I'm up like 36 hours or something like that. But um, I'm really proud of that. I'm really, really proud of my team. I'm proud of the fact that we just did it. We did our thing back there and it was amazing. And to be recognized by the Guinness World's record was really dope. Yeah, I'm very proud of that because I was in charge of like 80 people. I was in charge of all the looks that you saw go down that runway for 24 hours, all the looks. And it took me like each time I did it, it takes about three months of planning for me. It's a labor. It's it's laborious to do that job. And so to be recognized in that in that way was was a surprise that I didn't know I was going to I didn't know that it was going to happen. You know, it was just like, oh, hey, Deshaun, here's your plaque. And it was like, oh, okay, hey, thank you. you know? oh and they did a big celebration at the end of the show. And, you know, it was really cool. But, you know, to know that my work has been seen all over the world, 84 million people tuned into that show. It's just crazy. It's just, so that's, I'm very proud of that because that was so laborious. And, ugh. What year was that? Oh, several years. I did it four times. And then 2010, then we did 2011, then we did 2012, then we okay. stopped, then we did it again. Then they did another one, but this one was shorter. So I just keep doing these like crazy shows. Was that the one in Miami that it takes place? Yes, in that's yeah, the one in okay. Miami. Okay. Ah, so cool. We got to keep the model sweat so cool. proof, okay, back there. We had to keep them calm and not shiny and everything it was it was very cool very very cool Good for you. that's my favorite i mean those are like those are my favorite stuff like dealing with regular i hate to say regular people because like celebrities are regular people as well but you know i like to like my favorite client of all time was this i was doing this little tiny job angie like this little hey sean can you come out today i was like ah, i got nothing to do sure i'll come out and this little lady she was 90 three and she just touched my heart so deeply and her name was d and she was too a libra and we just she was just the sweetest thing and i just loved her so much so she was like people always say what's your favorite client she was my favorite client like, <laughs> it's the ones you never think that would right or the ones you know it's like they touch you like that's the thing about our job is like we get to meet so many people and it's those that get into your innards, I say into your innards yeah. and really get you. And it's not so much celebrities, you know, because they're just doing their job. They're not there to be your friend. They're not there. You know, it's just that I always say it. I say it. I say it. I say it. Celebrity dumb is a different world. It is just different. It has its own rules and the rules don't make any sense. <laughs> like it just, you know, it's not always a joy. People think it's glamorous. It is not glamorous. On the most part, they're nice people, but sometimes they just, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're at their beck and call. Yeah, like, I don't like it. Really? So. It's, yeah, it's not my thing. That's not what drives me. Right. So I would actually love to go back to when you and I had first met, because I feel like 
at that time, which I'm, we're talking years ago, you guys. Yeah. You were one of the first to really open, in my opinion, really open up and talk about skin specifically, like I said before, knowing complexion of every single color. And you would preach about how you wouldn't even hire someone on your team if they didn't know or they weren't, you know, knowledgeable about every complexion, every skin tone, all of that, how skin was so important. I know from there you've evolved to other things and, and things like that, but I would love to just touch base on that because I feel like you were the trailblazer in talking openly about that. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, we keep seeing bad makeup, right? Hello. Again, like back then, it was just my thing. I think I equate my whole career to fixing everything that was done to me wrong. <laughs> so like when I would go to like the makeup counter and they would just throw, I'm old, okay? And I am proud to say I'm old. So it's not it's not a big deal to me. Like I'm, I'm an old person, I'm 57. I'm an older woman. So to remember back in the day when they didn't even have a shade for me. And actually this is, I'm pretty dark right now because I've been in the garden for like a whole two months and I'm super dark right now for me. But as a black person, I am fairly light, right? And to go to these counters and to know that they would like sell me when I was a consumer on this crap and put this crap on my face. And then I would turn and go, what the F is this? Mm -hmm. And it was it was so kind of like just to being a person of color. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. You know, because they just couldn't get my color right. And I used to drive me crazy. And so when I turned into a makeup artist, I vowed, I studied, I practiced, 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 practiced for Oh, geez, I still practice to this day. I'm still reading and looking and color theorying and all this stuff. But I believe so much that every woman should be their color. It shouldn't be a color that's in the bottle. It should be your color. And don't let people try to force you into some other weird shade for your face. It really comes from the trauma of the makeup counter. It really does. My thing were, please make sure that everybody looks the way they are to look. It just comes from the traumatic experience of getting my makeup done at the makeup counters because yeah. it was embarrassing. I would walk out there looking like they would say, oh, you black, you can wear color. And I'm like, yeah, OK. And then I would like turn around. I look like a clown or I'm olive. I am not yellow and I am not beige. I am not a neutral. I'm olive. They don't have tones for olive people. So it's just all of these things that, that just made me who I am today which is I am a stickler for getting people's complexions correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. Not mixing colors and changing their complexion or taking something out of a bottle and then putting it all over the face and all over the chest and all that. That's just not my thing. I am the type of person who will match you. I will match you if it kills me. I will <laughs> match you. And so that's where it came from. It came from that. It came from that total, that I just never forgot being a consumer and being at the makeup counter. Because I remember back in the day, that's all we had. We did not have the plethora of makeup artists that we have today working at counters. And remember back in the day, they were called what? Makeup artists. So that was my first rant, like stop calling them makeup artists because they're not makeup artists. They don't know what the F they're doing. They're not makeup artists, you know? And um, so yeah, it, it comes from that. It comes from the traumatic experience of getting my makeup done. <laughs> makeup done. I mean, I could totally understand because even me, I mean, I'm I'm not dark by any means. I know. Even matching me was like a big deal. Like they couldn't even get it. Couldn't right. get it right. No. <laughs> like, couldn't get it right. Like, no, this is not. This is not the look. But then from there, so I know because I know you have such a grand history within the makeup artist realm. But I feel like as of now, fast forward, you're most known for your book with assisting, assisted. And please correct me say, if I'm saying or assisting rules. 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 <laughs> okay, I'm like, assisting <laughs> rules for makeup artists? Am I saying yeah, it right? It's just called assisting rules. The ultimate guide to assisting makeup artists in hair, whatever, whatever, whatever. We're changing it now. It's going uh, on Amazon soon. It's going to be an ebook soon. I'm telling you because I'm almost goddamn done. And I have a new publisher. I have a real publisher this time and we're fixing it. So there's a list going in there to, explaining to you guys how to, um, you know, don't waste this agency's time if you don't have this. And so it's all of that. So I'm very excited for 
It's this thing rules 2.0. I'm so hey, excited. Hey. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So when did you first launch the book though? Like when did it first? Oh God, And Angie. you were the first makeup artist to come out with the book. In my opinion, the first I knew. <laughs> that was six years ago now? Six, six years I ago. I should say a book like that. I should. No, I know, I know what you I'm mean. I'm like, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. hold on. No, okay. no, no, I know. People okay. are like, what you're talking about? This didn't make a bar. I know. Sorry. No, I, I meant like a book for assisting. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> I feel like terminology wise and stuff in our industry, there was so much lacking. Like it's a little bit different now, you know, with social media and certain vocabulary is just common now. Yes. But back before it wasn't. Let's talk about that. Yeah, listen, <laughs> again, it all comes from trauma. Yeah. So basically what had happened, what had happened was my assistant stabbed me in the back. You know how you see Game of Thrones, right? And then they stab them a little bit and then they, they gut them and then they go like this. That's what she did, right? And I was heartbroken because, you know, as you, when you have assistants, you really do you trust them, you know, you feel like you can trust them. And this assistant was my, my key assistant for like well over a year and a half. And she just, you know, she did what many, many people do is like when you start to progress, right? You want the job yourself, right? You want it. And she did whatever she could to get me cut off from this particular person. And I was just like, wow, this is really effed up. <laughs> and then her reply to me was really effed up. You know, like she was like, oh, well, you're taking too long. I'm like, taking too long for what? I don't even understand what's happening. And it took me years to get over that. It just took me years. And I was, as the kids say today, I was but or as the kids say today, I was destroyed. It really, it really upset me. And I said to myself, I think if she had known better and known the rules, which at the time, it felt like people were making up rules as they went along, but there were actually rules to it that maybe, just maybe, she wouldn't have stabbed me in the back the way she did. And the first draft, it took me four years, Angie, to write that book because the book, the first version was just cursing. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't have to do this. It was just, it was like a cathartic, like getting it out. Yeah. And it was just all cursing and all waiting, wagging my fingers and duh. It was just crazy. It was just like, what madness is going on in her brain? And then I said, well, that's not really helping, Deshaun. It's helping you be, you know, get your thing out, but it's not helpful. And then I put it aside. Then the next year I picked it up and I said, okay, let's work this out. You know, so it took four years because I was so angry. <laughs> the entire time I was writing was angry. And then the fourth final draft was the funny thing, Andy, was the book is on like I have pages. I got pages. OK, everywhere. The book was on the table. Right. In draft form. And the boyfriend walks over because he's known I'm working on it for four years. And he's like, yo, so you going to finish that book? And I was like, oh, I have to finish <laughs> And then I was like, but you know what? I do have something to say. And I, I don't know what it's going to do. I don't know where it's, I don't know how it's going to land. And I just was like, just finish. And then I did. And I slept on the sofa for six months and the computer was on the coffee table. <laughs> and I would wake up going like, da, 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 da. going like, da, 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 da. and then that's how the book was done. It was like, well, then you, if you're going to really write this book, then write the book to Sean. Like, don't half-ass it, write the book. And that's basically what happened, is the way it all came about was, well, you knew just the way he walked over to the, like, he, the way he saw the pile of paper, Angie, on the table. And he was just like, uh, you gonna finish? And I was just like, you know, I was just I like, guess I am. <laughs> I am gonna write a book. So yes, so again, it came out of trauma. <laughs> right. So I already have questions. So you said four years. So, but you were working and stuff in between the show. Oh, of course, of course, of course. That's hard. It's hard. But again, I, one, I'm an insomniac. So that's not too hard to be. Okay. When you're an insomniac, you get a lot of accomplished when you're an insomniac. Mm -hmm. But I um, yeah, you know, in between working, but you know, the working actually helped me write the book even more because then I had a chance to ask questions and ask new assistants. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you that. I had a chance to ask a lot of people, what do you think about your assistants and things like that? So it, it was lovely. They gave me a little bit more time to like percolate that thing. 
But yeah, I was working. Oh, yeah, I was working a lot and writing that book at the same time. Oh, for sure. For sure. So you were able to do like market research, basically. Like, yeah. You know what, Angie? I had a, a I still have a blog, but I'm not really on it as much as I used to be. But I had a blog at one point that was fairly uh, known. And I had written my first blog post about assisting. Mm-hmm. And that had gotten a lot of views. You know, I was like, oh, this seems to be something that people are interested in. Then I didn't think about it. And then I went and wrote another blog post. Can't remember in order, but it was just like just another blog post. And that got even more views. Okay. And then the very last blog post, which is I did three on assisting, the very last blog post took off. I think if the calculations were correct on the blog thing, like 100,000 people had read it. Wow. And it was translated in different languages. I was like, what is happening? First of all, you didn't ask my permission, but that's another story. (laughs) But it was it was in different languages. And I was like, people really want to know about assisting. They really do, because I can see the hunger on this topic every single time I write about it. They are hungry. And that's what I said. You know what? And after I got gutted, I said, you know what? This is a good time to write a book. And it was also like the blog posts were a good starting point for me to kind of fold in my ideas into the book. So I took those blog posts and then kind of folded them into the book and started trying to like, you know, make a comprehensive assisting book. Not, you know, because a lot of times the problem with was, was like, I was researching like a mad woman. Oh, there must be a book. There must be a book, right? And I was looking and looking and looking and I couldn't find one. Then I'm looking at everybody's blogs and they have the same kind of like, Top 10, don't do, don't do, don't do. And I'm like, but there's so much more to right. it. And if we tell people, then they'll know. Now, no makeup artist has the right to say, I didn't know. Because there's a book. You have no right. right. Angie, your assistant has no right to tell you, I did not know. Because there's a book. Right. See what I'm saying? And I didn't know. Like, when I, listen, you know how much I love, you know, I tell everybody my very first assistant gig was Sharon Galt mm-hmm. on a David LaChapelle yeah. sheet. That is like somebody has smacked me in the head with gold dust, okay? David LaChapelle and Sharon Gold. But after it was done, I had made a couple of mistakes that I didn't know I made mistakes. And I got chewed out and, and on message boards and people were saying I'm stealing and I'm doing this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so it just was like, if you write it down so people can see, then nobody would be making these mistakes. But where is this rule book? I don't see it. So it was important. I felt like it was really, really important to have this type of book because, you know, we all make mistakes. But if you kind of had the guideline of, you know, gee, I didn't know I couldn't pass out my business cards. Oh, I didn't know that I should be like kind of, you know, oh, I should be speaking. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that when they say show up at eight o'clock, you should show up at 745. You know what I mean? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't know I come from corporate America. Yo, nine o'clock is nine o'clock for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be there at nine. <laughs> it's a different mentality, too. Yeah. Like back in the day, guys, sorry, I'm going to keep saying back in the day. It's like it was all unwritten stuff that we were just yeah. supposed to know. But no, <laughs> like if you didn't get schooled on it, then how would you know? How are we supposed to know if it's not written down? And then you have all these people coming at you with all their different, I call them ideas or opinions because. Unless it's a rule that I know of, like, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. it's all so confusing. Yeah. And then then they would tell you the rules, but they wouldn't explain why. Right. And it was just like, well, okay, don't pass out your card. Okay, I get it. I dig it, but I don't know why. You know, listen, the first time I got a call sheet, I was like, ooh, look at all the names on the call sheet. I'm going to send out my stuff. And then nobody told me not to do that. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The rules of the call sheet, the rules of all of it. Nobody explains it. It's just like these flippant little things on people's blog posts that was driving me crazy because you need to. I'm a big why person. You can explain something to me, but I need to know why. Why? It's not I'm not your mother. Like, don't do that because I said so. Right. Why? Why is it so important that we don't do certain things? And why is it so important that, you know, like as an assistant, we are quiet and we stay in our parameters? Why? Yeah. Because when we tell people just be quiet and sit in the corner, it sounds so, oh, ooh, that's rude. You know, like, oh, you think I'm less than you or no, it's just a certain protocol on set. 
Right. Because you don't know, you're not privy to all the information. You don't know everything that I know as a key. So yeah, you just need to stay over there and I'll come to you and tell you things that I feel you should know. But if you don't say that, if you just say, sit there and be quiet, people are insulted and they don't understand, you know? So it's a lot to it. But as, as you know, because I wrote the book. <laughs> yes. No, I would love to say something else, Deshaun, just for your character, who you are. What I love and appreciate about you is that you will tell your assistants these things and you do it in such an educational way. But I will be frank, y'all, not everybody's like that. So I know I came up in an era where I got yelled at, chewed out so many times, me, like, and you guys know who, who I, I know. Am. Like, I have such PTSD from certain jobs I've had on set when I first started assisting. I can't even tell you. Like, I would have to, like, excuse myself, go to the bathroom, cry it out, and then just come back out because I got chewed out so much for things that I didn't even know that weren't even blatant like so I'm so happy that you've written this book and that you're here but also for you being you because that's the way seeing you and how you are is the way I learned how to be with my team because I'm not going to chew you out like I will educate you now if you go and screw me in the wrong way then that's a whole nother story but I want to keep everything open and frank and I learned that from you Deshaun so I uh. hope I hope you realize that like because you and as women of color it's just so hard sometimes to be honest within our industry and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing I'm not going to go there right now but like just seeing how you were in that you didn't have to be mean about no. it you no. never are mean about it. You're no. very frank. Like, this is how it is. And this is why, like exactly what you said, you'll explain in a way that we get like, we're like, okay. And we respect you for that too. Yeah. And then we yeah. want to be on your team because we know <laughs> we're going to get taken care of and you're going to advocate. Yeah. And like, so I learned so much from you in regards to that. So I just wanted to take a minute just to say that too, because not everyone's like you book or no book out there. Like there are still artists out there, I'm sure chewing people out up spitting them out like uh -huh. not seeing them in certain ways and disrespecting and yep. so but with the book and at least artists know like what they, is expected of them assistant wise so yeah. it's just it's really it's like I, I always feel that without my assistant gigs I don't think I'd be sitting here honestly and I always uh uh praise Sharon Galt because she's so kind to me she was kind to me I didn't have the first experience of somebody yelling at me or, wow, you know, that I didn't have that. I was very fortunate to have a woman who was kind and who was considerate and who had patience. You know what I mean? But I also entered this industry older and I was also already an assistant in corporate America. So I understood most of what I was supposed to do. But there's a little little tiny things. I don't know what the hell she's talking about, you know, that I did not understand or I may be a little slow at. And she was just very kind to me. She vocalized when she was she was so happy with me as well. You know, the couple of times that I did assist her, there were times that she would drag me around the studio because it would be David's studio most of the time. And it's huge. And she's dragging me around. And then sometimes there's like two shoots going on at once or three or whatever. And she's dragging me around going to Scott Barnes, to this one, to that one. She's amazing. She's an amazing assistant. She should be your assistant. She's amazing. And I'd be like, what is happening? What is happening? And <laughs> she would drag me around. And so it was through her kindness to me that made me realize that you don't be mean and cruel. To I've, I've heard stories. You treat people with kindness. You know what I mean? I was prepared. I was prepared for like stuff coming my way. I was prepared for it because I heard so many horror stories, but I lucked up and got a Sharon Galt type person who was just lovely towards me, you know, but I, she did work my ass off. I always say that all the time. I had to clean out her enormous kit. I had to uh, go to the store. I had to, oh my God, even if she didn't even let me do makeup that day, I was shocked. I mean, wow, she just, she was so dope. It was amazing. I learned so much from those days, those two days, my first two days with her on set. I learned so much from talking to David LaChapelle, who yelled at me, by the way, <laughs> because I'm a stupid assistant. I am a stupid assistant. Remember, I'm stupid. I don't know. I don't know you're not supposed to talk to him. I don't know. I just talk. Hey, how you doing? You know, and, you know, you don't realize that, oh, you know, there is a weird hierarchy here. Maybe, you know, you should know that, you know, I call it the cricket syndrome. Uh, I wrote about it in the book. Like, so if you meet like somebody, a celebrity, most of the time it's celebrities, obviously. 
And Sharon had introduced, she's like, okay, so I love the story because it, it cracks me up. So this is my first assistant gig. So first of all, I come from corporate America. I got corporate clothes on because I'm thinking I'm supposed to be corporate, right? So I got my corporate clothes on. I have nice pants. I got shoes. I got my nice white top. I thought I was cute, y'all. I was like, tink, 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 tink. I'm here. And then she was like, yeah, can you take my suitcase upstairs? And I was like, this thing weighs me 50 pounds in my heels. And I'm like, oh, hell, oh, hell. So David has like these long steps to get into the studio at the time. And I was like, holy hell. Uh-oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Nobody told me. Nobody told me. So there's a receiving line for David. So everybody gets online to say hello. And Sharon, she's so lovely. Sharon's like, David, I want you to meet my assistant today, uh, Deshaun. And then she pushes me in front of him. And I'm like, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm like standing in front of one of the world's greatest photographers ever. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was just, just like, um, Celeste Chappelle, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much. And then he was like this. I'm talking. He's like this. He won't look at me. He won't look at me. Angie, listen, the man was like, there's a gnat. There's a gnat. What's going on? There's a bug. I hear, I don't know. What's, what is this? There's a bug. Uh, he wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't speak to me. He would acknowledge my presence. And I just said, okay. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I love, you know, like, hey, you know, it's cool. I'm, why should I be butthurt over that? It's okay. Yeah. And then I just went on uh, to do my job. And then all hell broke loose on that set, not with Sharon and not with me. Well, so many things happened on that set that was just like, wow, this is intense. Right. And then we were sitting down at, the t at lunch. And <laughs> we were sitting down at lunch and at the long table, David, I can call him David now. Oh, so David, he doesn't freaking remember me. This is so long ago, but yeah, you know, no, I understand. You know, but back in the day, I could have said, David. And he was like, yeah. Well, so he was sitting diagonally across from me at the lunch table and he's flipping through like a mag, like a, like a Vogue type magazine. I can't remember what it was. And at the time, you know, we're young, right? We're young and we're hungry. So I'm looking through the magazines early. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. Everything's so lovely. Oh, I can't wait to do this. Ah, la, la, la. And then he's, you know, he's, he's flipping and he's cursing. And he's like, oh, this is shit. This is shit. And I'm like, why is this shit? You know, and I'm, I'm like, well, there's the world's greatest photographer. You might as well ask him a question, which you're not supposed to do. And I said, um, um why do you, I, I was just looking at those and I, I thought the images are really nice. Oh my God. <laughs> what did he say? He said, he, he turned, he said, look at this. This is shit. This is shit. This is shit. And he said, learn what a good picture is. And then he left, and I was like, okay. I think I'm going to pee in my pants. Okay. Like, Guys. I was mortified oh. I think I made a mistake I don't think I'm supposed to talk to you oh my god because that was the first time he had even spoken to me was when wow. he yelled at me and then he got up and walked away from the table in a huff and I was like oh god Sharon's gonna fire me she's oh. gonna fire me and then but he taught me he taught me what to look for he showed me quickly in a very abrupt manner yeah. what to look for as a makeup artist and I didn't know that at the time so I always take that, even though it still makes me want to pee in my pants today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so afraid. I'm so like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that. But it's still something that I just go, he taught me a lesson. First of all, he taught me a lesson. Don't talk to people. <laughs> and then second, he taught me a lesson. What is a shot? What does it take to create these looks that you keep looking at thinking is so great? And he pointed out minute things. He pointed out little things. He didn't point out... You know, this, he pointed out the backdrop. He pointed out the lighting. He pointed out this. He pointed out that. Like, and I just was like, oh, I'm not even looking at that. I'm I'm looking at the girl. I'm looking at the makeup. Right. He was like, no, listen. Basically, he was like, listen, Biatch. Let me tell you what a shot is supposed to be. And that, I tell that story because I'm so grateful for that story. Because he taught me, in a very abrupt manner, what to look for, you know? 
But I really thought, honestly, Angie, honestly, I thought I was going to get fired. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't, I would have thought so, too. Like, yeah. for me, if it were me, I'm like, whoa. I was like, whoa. It's like, oh I can still God. feel it in my bones. I can yeah. still, like, every time I tell a story, I get, like, I sweat. <laughs> I'm telling you, PTSD is real to Sean from back in the days. Like, for real. Because I'm thinking <laughs> things that I've been through. I'm like, I'm feeling it through your story. So. It's real. It's so oh many. I'm breaking down to sweat. I'm breaking down to sweat. Oh, my God. <laughs> When I started off in the space of makeup artistry, I had no idea what to expect. I felt like there was no support for people like me, the starving artist, starting off in a seemingly glamorous space. I wish that I had someone back then or a community of people to help me figure out this world. What should I be charging? What are my boundaries around my clients? What are the expectations and realities of this industry? How do I maintain my mental health, my work-life balance, and still bring in the money that I want. This is why myself and so many members of my online community are so grateful that this space now exists. I have created a community for makeup artists just like us. This is a community where we encourage people to get vulnerable and share the real experiences of what it's like to be a makeup artist in this industry. Where we talk about prices and what you should be charging. In fact, we are most likely gonna tell you you need to raise those rates. It's a support group where there will always be someone available if you need to speak. In fact, we have a 24-7 text messaging app that we use and someone is always there to have your back. We've had members stressed out at a job go into the bathroom that are crying because they've had something happen to them on set. And literally there are people answering them like that. And they're having that immediate support, which in general is lacking in our industry. You will always feel supported and have a wide network of makeup artists and experts to answer questions or simply listen. In addition to learning more about the rates you should be charging, creating niche offers, working towards expansion and sustainability, as a bonus, as a member of this community, you will also have access to live recordings of this podcast with expert guests. Once the podcast episode is over, we turn off the recording and you have a unique opportunity to ask our guests questions in real time. As a makeup artist, you are a valued entrepreneur, whether you feel like it or not. And we would love to welcome you into this community of makeup artists finding their way as entrepreneurs. If you would like to join us, please go to www.angeliquefelez.com for more information. A link will be posted in the show notes. And remember, you don't have to glow alone. So I know things have changed a lot since you first started doing makeup and it's like a whole new industry. I know I'm fasting forward. I'm fasting forward, guys. Just fast forward. You see stuff that I want to like get Deshaun's input on. So especially so you wrote the book originally in what year was it? Oh, you mean when I first, 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 first. Oh God, I don't remember. Like but it was I, before 2013, right? Oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, was yeah. it 2008, maybe? Yeah, I, I, around there. I yeah, was, yeah. Okay, so guys, we're talking like that far back. So having a book like that that didn't exist, correct? So now the way things are, how is the 2.0 book? Are you changing anything? Are you keeping these? Are there any words of wisdom that you would say that have changed from when you first, first wrote the book or things that you've noticed within the industry? I would just love your, because I know when you wrote it back, that's different. Things are a little different. different. No, it is different. And, you know, I'm I'm very happy <clears throat> to be updating it just a tad. It's not it's not like it's going to be like you know, cuckoo crazy different, but there's just ways now, you know, our shows, our, our fabulous shows that you and your fabulous break up to make up. I'm missing my, my yearly bag. You know that I am a fan and I am a patron. Okay. I love her back. Okay. So the shows were really, I found the shows to be very important to makeup artists because it's really like the only time that you get to meet us. And now since the shows aren't here, then what the hell do you do? And so that's going to be added to the book about like, how are we navigating not being able to be front and center in front of people, you know, nowadays? It's still Instagram. I mean, it's still Instagram where it's still, I should say, it's still social media. I do believe the way I wrote the book was still valuable today because my whole thing in the beginning, you know, there's two halves to the book. This is what you do. Now you got the job. This is what you do. Right. And I believe in genuine, honest connections. I don't believe in 
writing to makeup artists and blowing smoke up their butts and, oh my God, you're so great. And, 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 and you have to come off and explain to makeup artists, keys, what it is that you can bring to them, how you are valuable to what they are doing. And so the way I wrote that book was explaining why all of this was important. And it seems to be still be getting people lots of work. It's not even about assisting jobs anymore. It's about just people getting the key jobs that they wanted and all these things. So the way I wrote it with the how to reach out to makeup artists and how to study what we do, because a lot of times makeup artists, key, uh, newbies, do not understand. I always say this, don't send me, you know, fuchsia lips of rhinestones if I am looking for somebody who's doing a Dove commercial. That's not going to help me. And so it's important that they understand that. And I think that assistants think, oh, it's just, I could just send out anything and, you know, it'll be fine. No, you have to, you have to get my attention. And if I'm not working on Fisher Lips rhinestones and that's not my jam, then you sending me that is not going to help you get that job. It's going to make me go, what the hell? This is not what I do. So the way I really wrote the first half of the book about making genuine connections with artists still stands today. And I'm very proud of that. But the other things that change, like I said, the agencies have definitely changed. That has changed. And it's changed in a great, great way. Fashion shows have changed greatly as well. I saw the change as I was writing the book, which is, you know, like Maybelline and, you know, all these places and, you know, all these cosmetic companies, you can't do a show without them, ah, 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 ah. you know, that. And the amount of fashion shows have changed greatly. How do you feel they've, they've changed, if you know what I'm asking? Well, first of all, I'm a New Yorker. Right. And not having it, I'm so old, old school, not having it in Bryant Park is still, oh, okay. <laughs> It guts me. It guts my soul. It guts me that it's not in Bryant Park. It's right. just something that really upsets me. And I, and everything else to me doesn't count. Right. You know, I would, I was so lucky to do Kia show at In the Tent when they moved to, uh, oh, God, what is that? Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center. Yeah, because that was like for like a little hiccup. Yeah. Well, like for a bit, and then, then they were just everywhere. Yeah. And just all over the city. Yeah. It's just not, <laughs> for me personally, I'm a New Yorker. So it's just not the same yeah. for me. You know, walking through those pearly gates, those white pearly yeah, gates, I, you know, when I was a, a young end, <laughs> and it just meant the world to me to be yeah. able see, real quickly, I used to work in that area when I was in corporate America. So I would walk by these damn tents all the time and I would see these lines. Like, what is going on? What is yes. this? And it was so exclusive. And, and that's now, the word. Like, I was like, yeah, it guys, was just, honestly, oh. like I can't, there's no words to explain yeah, man. how it felt like walking through there. And right. like, it was so oh. cool when you would be like, oh, look, this is dope. You know, and you didn't really know and you could never get your ass in there. Nope. I just would be like, what is that? What is that? And to know it was fashion week yeah. and that area was just so, oh my God. Yeah. And you would walk, when I would go to work and stuff and come home, I would be like, what is she wearing? What is, I mean, it was just, it was, oh, it was yeah. everything. And so to have it broken up and moved around, it just doesn't have the same feeling for me. Yeah. Oh, can I say one more thing about yeah, that? Yeah. Just to kind of talk about that and fashion. Cause in my head, a lot that changed fashion wise, a lot has to do with budget too, but we, we can- Oh girl, that. that's a long haul, please. So I remember like back before when we used to do the shows under in Bryant Park, guys, you literally could do like five shows in a day because yeah. they were right there. They were right, right, right. that's it. You would just go from one tent to the next tent. Like you yeah. didn't, like, I would, I remember one day, I think I had five shows booked and that's, that's money right there. Like exactly. I used to make most of my money during fashion week, actually. That's not like that anymore. Yeah, and that's the other problem. Like you can't, like any money that you can make during that week is now scattered all over New York. And so trying to make another show with New York's transportation, it's just so hard. And it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy for us to make money. And first of all, the money, when I first, 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 first started, we were talking 15, 16, 17 years ago, people were making decent money doing them shows. Mm -hmm. Well, because of Mac, Mac came in and said, well, we'll do it for free. That really ruined it for makeup artists because what do you mean you do it for free? We we get paid. 
Well, Mac is the, uh, listen, I'm always telling you, you know, I, I don't even barely buy any Mac. I'm so disgusted. But Mac was the people that the company that came in and changed the whole game and ruined it for us. They ruined it. They ruined it because it was so damn greedy and wanted their little banners all over the back and all that stuff. They yeah. Mac really jacked us up. And I know they don't think of it that way. They think, well, it's just pressed and, you know, it's great opportunity for us to do whatever. I get that too. But dude, you came in and just, you messed us up. Yeah, I'm not a fan because I saw I saw our money go like this. And it was like overnight, it felt like, too. Yeah. It was like one year it was gravy. And then the next year, all of a sudden, it was like, wait, how much? And wait, we're not getting called for all these shows now? So what's happening? It really, Mac is the company that changed the game for Fashion Week. It was Mac. Yeah. When they came in and they were going to do it for free, I used to, I was keen shows in those tents. And then all of a sudden, it was like, no more. It was like, oh, well, you know, we could pay you and your whole team, Deshaun, or we could do, we give people free. First of all, I don't think people realize how expensive shows are. The barest show, the barest show with a sign in the back and some lights and some music is easily, especially back then, I don't know what it is today, seventy-five dollars to $100,000 for that designer. Right. Okay, that's not including beauty. That's seventy-five dollars to have their stuff walk. So I can see how that was very, you know, like, wow, you mean I don't have to pay for all these people? I have to pay lunch? People forget. They have to feed us too, right, Ange? They yep. have to feed all of us. They, have they to actually did. Things. There was actually food there, you guys. That right. So they feed you <laughs> to do all these things. And so all of that is money. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to pay all of that money. Yeah. And so I was never mad when I got tossed from a designer because I understood. I understand how expensive it is. So how can I be mad? The person I'm mad at is Mac because Mac came along and just destroyed it. It just destroyed the whole thing. And you're right, Angie. It was like one year I was back there and it was fine. The next year I was back there, Mac. And I was like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And then the next year it was like, Mm -hmm. and it all changed. Then all changed. It felt like like this. Boom, 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 boom. And I feel like in all honesty to Sean, fast forward now again in the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic. pandemic. Post pandemic, we want to say it that way. It's happening again, in my opinion, as not just fashion, like makeup artistry in general. We're going through this whole new thing again. It's like, what's happened? So that's kind of what I wanted to talk a little bit about with you. If you want to get into the nitty gritty. So what what happens now is like, I will tell you straight off that some agencies don't even want assistance anymore. Some agencies are like, yeah, no, we don't even want because we don't want it. It's very difficult to get assistance on set these days. They all have to go through the same testing. You have to do all that stuff. So it is difficult to get assistance. I I just recently did a head and shoulders commercial. Mm -hmm. And when they said I could have an assistant, I almost died. I was like, I can't. (laughs) I was like, really? I was like, oh, I'm so excited. But a lot of my jobs were like, yeah, no assistance, no assistance, no assistance. Yeah, I've been noticing. I need the assistance. Okay, I do. It's not about you. It's about me. They don't want the bodies. Right. I I need help. Okay. And yeah, they they have um, really have more of a tighter, you know, closed set, I guess, if that's how you say it. So that's another issue. How do we circumvent that funkiness? Yeah, but I, I will say that I've noticed, like, even um, on this little list here, how so so many have said, yeah, we don't want no assistance, no assistance, no assistance. So I thought it was very interesting that agencies don't even want, like, don't even bother. Right. Yeah. So it's little things like that, but it doesn't mean you can't assist. Like, I don't want it to sound like, oh, my God, there's no job. Of course, for every door that closes is a door that opens. Right. So I believe that I mean, I'm still working. So it's like, Angie, you're working as all my friends are working. Yeah. So we're working. There will be assisting jobs, just yeah. other ways to get around that joint. That's all. You just have to get around it. You have to contact companies. You have to contact, you know, instead of trying to go through agencies, you'll have to go through maybe companies and, and submit your work that way and say, I, I would make a great assistant to your, to an artist that may, may be in need of something like that. Right. What I'm trying to do in this second book is try to make assisting rules more. um, I know people call it the Bible, uh, and I appreciate that, but really the Bible. So when you read it, it means something to a company. It means something to an agency. You understand? Like if you say, well, I read assisting rules and now I understand, that is like almost being like a certified assistant. Do you know what I mean? 
Like so, you're trustworthy in that aspect, like me being, you know, a key or department head. If I know that you have this knowledge. Right. Then I'll feel way more comfortable. And also, honestly, the other pitfall for assistance is the fact that most artists like myself have been burned before. Yeah. And they don't want us. They don't want assistance because they have been burned. Yeah. And, you know, it's no I mean, I've had I've had keys write me. I don't know them. I have keys who have written to me over the years and said, Deshaun, I was done with assistance. And then this girl, you know, wrote to them in the correct way, you know, introduced themselves in the correct manner, followed up in the correct way. And when they got to set, they knew what to do. And they wrote me. I got so many emails. Oh, my God. This girl read your book and she was an amazing assistant. Right. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> that's that's shows for you congratulations Beth. Uh, yeah you know but that's the whole point is is that is that when you get there you're supposed to know what you're supposed to do yeah and it makes their lives easy it makes the assistance life easier and it's like i always try to explain to people that that's why the book is written is so you can convey to a key that you really do know what it takes to be an assistant and you will not let them down Right. Because we have we're jaded. We're jaded yeah. individuals. I never thought I'd ever be jaded. And I never thought, honestly, I would hear horror stories about assistants and how they would Game of Thrones people and gut them and stuff. And I was like, no way. That would never happen to me. And it happened to me. Right. Right. Can you give us because we're going to wrap up here. I want to be very mindful of your time. Can you give us the top three tips that you would say? Is there two big things or three things from your book that you would want people to take away from it? The first part is the introductions. Right. Somebody just wrote me the other day, I want to be your assistant. First of all, I wrote a book. So you can't even reference. Oh, gosh. Girl, like you wrote me. I wrote the book on it. What? And she wrote me all wrong. Oh, and I'm not I'm not answering. I'm not doing it. No, I'm not. So I think introductions are key. That is the first thing. Introductions, I think people need to understand. And it took me years to understand it, too, as just a person who's trying to get a job. But the introduction is the like the first step to an interview. It's like the, it's opening up the door for you. People are assessing you on your emails or Instagram, what do you call it? DMs. Thank you. They're assessing that. They're assessing if you're saying, hey girl, they're assessing you yep. right away. Because remember, this is a job interview. You didn't get the job yet. So why are you so relaxed? Why are you right. so unprofessional? So to me, that's the biggest thing. I spent a lot of time in the beginning, half of that book, half of it is how to speak to key, what to look for. All of it is intense. Like, I want you to understand what I'm talking about because people have this weird idea that they could just, hey, Sean, how you doing? I would like to be your assistant. I, it's like, nah, you can't talk to me like that. That's not how, is that how you're going to talk to me on set? Yeah. You know, like, mm -mm, nah, uh, I don't want you. I'm not even going to, I used to be like, you know, I used to write back, oh, that's just not, you know, let me explain. I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. Do no reference the book. So that to me is your introduction. Your introduction has to be on point. Right. And I've noticed that my friends and people I don't even know keys, they'll tell me it was that introductory letter that they wrote to me that said, oh, this is a different type of person. What's happening? Oh, this seems professional. Because I think as makeup artists, I think we think we're not supposed to be professional. I think people think, oh, this is just whatever. Yeah. And not. This is actual business. Right. And people continue to forget that. It's a business. It and so I stress that in the first half of that daggone book. I'm like, I'm trying to beat you guys to death with the business. So right. that's one. And um, the set etiquette, again, it's a business. You have to think you're in a business. One of my favorite things that I did in the book was to tell you guys to, at the end of the day, your home, write it down. Write down your day. Write down everything that you feel is relevant and then write down everything you don't feel is relevant. Write it down because those things are fresh in your mind, but write it down like, you know, I'm, I'm using Sharon as an example. Sharon asked me to do something for her. Sharon asked me to clean her brushes, but I, I think I was in the bathroom too long because she came back and she snapped at me. I wonder what it was. Like those are, that's what I want. I want you to do that because then you can look back at it and say, let me think about that day that I was with Sharon for my next job. Was I in the bathroom too long cleaning brushes? Maybe I was. Let me think about the next key that I 
ask. Remember in the book, there's this thing called core conversation that you're supposed to have, like just in general. How do you want me to, uh, is there a dress code? How would you like me to clean your table? How Just general things that we don't even think about as when we're new, we don't even understand to ask these questions. But it's like general question that you should be asking the key because you're stepping into her world. It's like you're coming into my house. Do you go directly to my refrigerator? No, you don't. Okay, you ask me. So this is what I'm saying. So I wrote it like, trying to get people to understand that there are things as an assistant you're supposed to be doing and saying so you understand that if you stood back there for an hour and you're washing her brushes, then maybe maybe she didn't want you to go and wash the brushes in the sink. Maybe she just wanted you to wipe them down and put them down. But you stood there and you, you waited too long. Gee, did I make a mistake? Let me note that down. The reason why I like it so much is because I wrote down for the first Six years, I think, of my career, I wrote down everything. I had a journal, um, and I wrote down everything. And then I, before I wrote the book, I went back and read the journal, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot. I remember I did that. Oh shit, I messed that up." But it was because it was a recollection, like, "Oh, okay." But I, I kept it down, and I would reread it for the next job, right? And I would say, "Okay, don't do that. Ask them. Don't just assume." It's like, it's like, it's like assistants seem to assume a lot. They don't ask because I think they're afraid to speak, but you should ask. You should always feel free to ask questions. But when you write things down, you see what you've done. You'll see it. You'll see when a person snaps at you. Write it down. Why did she snap at me? Let me percolate this in my brain and find out. Let me go through the steps of the day. Why did she snap at me? I wonder why. Oh, I was in the bathroom for an hour. I didn't realize it was in the bath. You see what I'm saying? When, right. the, the day is so chaotic. It's so busy that when you come home and you write it out, you're relaxed and your brain will let you write out the truth, not right. the truth that you think it was. It really kind of comes out in paper. At least it does for me. Yeah. And it does for so many other people I know. Journaling. That's really Every important thing to do. Yeah. I think journaling your day mm-hmm. is a very important thing to do. And I also had like a gratitude journal like today was such a hellified day but I'm so lucky I was on set and so lucky you know just yeah. to try because it's hard it's hard it's and you know it's so hard to be yeah. a mentors and sometimes it could be so thankless I know and you just need to be grateful for whatever little thing you can get your way I you know what I mean yeah and it's such a journey so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because the gratitude I think is so important to so when we reflect we remember like what we've accomplished too you know all the things so, yeah. so oh important. Angie I was reading my journals and crying I was like oh, oh. like I remember <laughs> that oh I love it I love it so yeah. it's Sean where can people find you where can they find the book like Instagram like where, where can everyone find you okay I am on Instagram but I'm very very lazy I don't <laughs> like it I don't like Instagram I don't want to be a slave to Instagram I just don't care. So I am on Instagram, but the best thing to do is to reach me on my, um, if you just go to my uh, site, boom, you can contact me through the site. The email's there. Facebook, I'm, I'm clearly, because you and I connect on Facebook all the yeah. time. Facebook, I am much more open to talking every now and then. But Instagram is like, you could be in there for months and I won't even know you're in there. So I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate Instagram for what it has done to our industry. I don't like it. It irritates me. I don't like the game. And by the way, exclusive agencies don't give a rat's ass about your Instagram. They don't care. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you that little tidbit right now. They don't care. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. well, I was going to say any last minute words, but there you go. <laughs> Mic drop right there. Deshaun is always keeping it a hundred, you guys. So. And the book, where oh, the so the book? Okay, I'll so the book in the show notes. Sorry. Okay, so the yep. book, Assisting Rules, is still available right now. The the version that we have right now. The new version it will be out in July. Oh. It will also be ebook. I understand if you wait for the ebook, I'm not mad. <laughs> but yeah, it will be ebook. I'm very excited about the ebook. I'm very excited. Yes. Ebooked, and that should be coming out in July. Finally, I've been saying that for like three years. Okay. And now I got a new uh, publisher and honey, they are on it. So, yes. So the new book would be and corrected 
and corrected, 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 corrected. <laughs> like, oh, I love it. Thank the you. worst thing about writing a book is hiring proper proofreaders. That's another story. We could talk about writing a book later. Every Sunday at 7 p.m. on You and the Tube, I am live. I am sitting here answering your questions. If you have a question, I answer you. Go there. There's a couple up, just like three lives. We have a T, he, he on there. It's so much fun. We're idiots. It's hilarious, but it's also very helpful. And um, oh my God, Angie, there's so much. I'm a bad pusher of my things, Angie. I'm terrible. Ew, I am too. I'm terrible. Your what custom palette. Oh, in my palette. Not palette. <laughs> I'm so two year old. Inclusion, inclusion, inclusion by Graptobian by me is yeah. back on the market. I just saw that. <laughs> they didn't even notify me. I saw it on, on Facebook. I was like, because it was sold out because yeah. of all you beautiful people who continue to buy it and buy it and buy it. I love you all. Thank you for buying my inclusion palette. I love her so much. So inclusion is back on the market. That is there. And that's it. I'm just still working and just gardening and trying to chill out and and get Zen-like. That's what I'm yes, making. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much, Deshaun. So I'm going to make sure I have all the links in the show notes. So don't worry, everyone. They're all uh, right in there. <laughs> but so hold tight. But until next time, everyone, when I shine, you shine, we shine together. Bye. Hey, Glow Friends. Thank you for listening to this episode. And I hope you found value in it. We would love your help to glow up this community if you are really enjoying the supportive environment. Help us glow this community by giving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. As a thank you, you will be entered for a chance to win a fabulous Hey Glow Fun tote. You can keep up with myself, this podcast, and my business ventures by following me on Instagram at Technique. I'm so grateful to have you as a listener because I believe when I shine, you shine, we shine together, Glow Friend. Until next time. Bye.